I'm Alan Yohanda. I'm a surgical oncologist and chief of staff at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Atlanta, Georgia. Today, we'd like to address some of the concerns and questions around the coronavirus pandemic. And I think a lot of the problems have been around the constantly changing landscape and the uh, flow of information that's coming out about that. And that has caused a lot of concern and a lot of angst amongst people. So I've brought with me today, Dr. Jeffrey Metz, who is our chief of medicine at the hospital. And he has also been named as the clinical leader for the coronavirus task force for the Cancer Treatment Centers of America Enterprise. So he is a content expert in this subject, and I think he'll be able to shed a lot of light on this and hopefully in doing so, calm a lot of your fears. Dr. Metz? Thank you for having me, Dr. Yohanda. So uh, first of all, could you tell our, our listeners what is the coronavirus and how does it get spread? Well, coronaviruses in general are common viruses that may cause colds or more serious respiratory illnesses. And what are the symptoms that they may cause? And do patients who are infected always have the same symptoms? Well, the most common symptoms of the virus are fever, coughing, and shortness of breath. The virus can lead to more difficult respiratory complications, including pneumonia, especially in older patients and those with pre-existing illnesses. Right. So, Jeff, after uh, an infection occurs, how long does it take for symptoms to appear? Well, they can actually be anywhere from two days all the way up to two weeks, making it pretty challenging sometimes to determine. Once infected then and you become symptomatic, how long can we expect the virus to cause those symptoms and when will it clear? You know, it varies from person to person, but it can be up to 30 days that you can continue to, to actually shed the virus. If I were to develop symptoms such as fever or cough, what should I do? Well, number one, stay home, okay? Call your primary care provider and let them know that you're experiencing symptoms. It may be COVID-19, but it could also be the flu or it could be another respiratory illness. Uh, after that, it's really important that we practice the same everyday types of healthy hygiene habits, such as washing the hands regularly for a full 20 seconds under hot uh, soap and water. Avoiding close contact, literally six feet from those around you. If you do have symptoms, you need to have a quarantine area in your house. And we're actually recommending at this time that you, you plan for that in advance so that if it happens, you've got an area that's safe that the rest of the members in your family can avoid. And you're probably going to be in there for 14 days unless you test negative and we find out that it's actually something else. Can you tell us a little bit about how the virus is spread? Well, it's mainly spread person to person, which means uh, through respiratory droplets, coughing, sneezing, particularly if you're closer than six feet, which is uh, close contact, essentially. Additionally, you could put your hand on, um, you know, a surface where somebody's uh, droplets have, have, you know, where somebody sneezed or coughed. And then if you were to inadvertently touch your face, your mouth, your eyes, uh, you could actually uh, spread the disease that way. So it's really imperative to wash your hands. Again, the thing I would encourage for everyone is the everyday healthy practices that we should be doing to avoid, you know, upper respiratory tract infections apply to coronavirus as well. Wash the hands, maintain social distance or six feet spread from, from others around you where, where possible. So I think it's, it's really important for the public to know that, that can this virus spread, for example, through the skin? No, it, it, it's a respiratory uh, distribution. So again, coughing, sneezing, respiratory droplets potentially on objects. They could stay. So for example, 
if you put your hand on a desk that somebody just sneezed on, you know, if you uh, are sharing pens and pencils and things like that, that somebody has inadvertently touched their face or chewed on, you know, these are, these are habits that sometimes we don't recognize, but it goes back to the same adage, wash your hands regularly, don't touch your face and maintain social uh, distancing during this time of six feet. Okay. Now, so say one of your family members or co-workers has been diagnosed with the COVID-19 virus. What should you do in your own situation at that point? Again, it goes back to healthy habits and practices. Washing the hands, not touching the face, maintaining social distancing, such as six feet. All of these are good standard healthy practices to decrease or minimize our exposure. If you have the disease, you should be in a uh, um, quarantine in your house. And if you have more serious cases of the disease, um, then you might require hospital admission. If you suspect you have the disease, or if you have an upper respiratory tract infection, we're encouraging everyone to call your primary care provider or your local health department rather than going to the urgent care or going to the emergency department. The current treatment is you know, supportive measures such as uh, antipyretics or Tylenol. And again, maintaining healthy practices, staying hydrated, trying to get rest, things like that. Right. I think it's a really important point that you raised that um, just because you have a, uh, some sniffles or a cough, uh, first of all, doesn't mean necessarily that you have a coronavirus infection, but also does not mandate that you go see your doctor or go to an urgent care center or even the emergency room that it's those trips to see your healthcare provider really should be limited to when symptoms are, are more severe. Right, and, and certainly call ahead first because you're, you place others at risk and you place yourself at risk by being in a, in a large community gathering or even a, a smaller community gathering where you have multiple potential sick contacts. Now, you can't go uh, you know, a minute watching TV without seeing somebody walking around in public with a face mask on, a surgical mask. Does that do any good? And should we all be wearing those masks? The masks may actually help, but they're not recommended as a first-line prevention. If you have the infection, it helps prevent you from spreading it to others. And again, it may help keep you from getting it, but it's currently not a standard recommendation. Maintaining healthy practices, um, washing surfaces, using uh, environmental protection agency approved cleaning agents, things like this can help to decrease the spread and the exposure that you'll face. So Jeff, what are your recommendations and the CDC recommendations regarding travel? We're recommending that people travel responsibly. They avoid uh, large gatherings. As you can see, multiple uh, organizations have actually uh, set some precedent, such as the NCAA tournament being canceled, other large venues shutting down. We've got Broadway that's shut down. So theaters, plays, again, areas where there's large social gatherings are being held. Uh, schools are shutting down. Right now, we're still in the mindset to, to limit the opportunity for the virus to spread. So uh, since we are at a cancer center and we deal with patients with cancer every day, um, are cancer patients or patients dealing with cancer uh, any different than the general population as far as both their risk for the virus and in the limitations that they may have on say, for example, travel? Yeah. Uh, cancer patients are higher risk for certain. And those that are undergoing chemotherapy, as well as those that have uh, lower white blood cell counts, are considered immune compromised. So those are very high risk patients. And 
sometimes travel is essential for them. They're still receiving treatment and, and COVID-19 doesn't stop for cancer. So we really have to, to balance the risk of them traveling versus the benefit of them uh, receiving their treatment. And we're looking at each one as an individual uh, case and going by a case-by-case -case basis so that we can recommend travel. We prefer that our patients travel by car when, uh, when absolutely necessary to travel. But for those that have to fly by plane, it really is a case-by-case -case individual decision and, and something that we're trying to avoid where possible. And would we expect that a coronavirus infection would affect a cancer patient any differently than a non-cancer patient? Or would the symptoms be any different or more severe? Well, the symptoms can vary uh, anywhere from no symptoms at all, all the way up to you know severe uh, pneumonia, respiratory failure, shortness of breath. So uh, cancer patients are susceptible to the entire spectrum and, and certainly get more severe symptoms and their mortality is probably a good bit higher too, which is why we, we really have to be mindful of, of the advice that we give when we're talking about travel. You've indicated before that cancer patients are in general at higher risk for infection with the, with the coronavirus, but really does that apply to all cancer patients or just those under active treatment? The data is very unclear because the COVID-19 is so new. So we really don't have a lot of data to guide our decisions. But that being said, Cancer patients are certainly at higher risk, and those that are undergoing active treatment are probably even significantly higher than that as we consider them often immune compromised. So patients who are cancer patients and are scheduled to go see their physician, I think a common question for them to probably ask would be, should I keep that appointment or should I risk going to the doctor's office or to the hospital to keep that visit? Yeah, so we have to look at each of those uh, on a case-by-case -case scenario. For some patients, because we know that COVID-19 doesn't wait for cancer, their treatment is essential. And for other patients, some of their treatments can actually wait. So what we're currently recommending is that each patient reach out uh, to their cancer team so that they can make that case-by-case -case, uh, decision and, and have a partnership with their patients so they can guide their recommendations. So are there any other things that the cancer patient should know about the coronavirus above and beyond that they are at higher risk for it? Well, because COVID-19 is so new and there's not a lot of data out there, it's important that cancer patients now more than ever uh, really practice safe, healthy hygiene habits. Again, avoid unnecessary travel, wash the hands, wash the hands, wash the hands with, with warm soap and water, avoid touching your face, practice uh, smart uh, uh, social um, distancing, you know, six feet where possible. And then if you do need to travel or if you have ongoing treatment, reach out to your cancer team so that you can determine what the next best recommendation is for you. So in your role as the enterprise lead for the coronavirus task force, could you tell us a little bit about what you and your team have done to implement safe practices throughout our five hospital enterprise? We implemented uh, CDC-recommended screening protocols and readiness plans at each of our hospitals and outpatient care centers. Uh, as an added measure, our facilities are currently conducting additional screening protocols for all the patients and the visitors. Um, we're not allowing any uh, children under the age of 18 into the centers currently, and we're restricting our visitors to only one caregiver per patient that comes in, unless there's special certain circumstances. And are patients and uh, caregivers undergoing any type of screening when they come into the facility? Yeah, we've uh, moved all of our centers into a single entrance for patients that enter. 
where screening happens before they're allowed entry into the center. And if we determine that somebody is suspicious for an upper respiratory tract infection, we're guiding them to uh, an appropriate uh, treatment plan. So it sounds like with all these policies and procedures in place that uh, we're open for business at all five hospitals. Yeah, you know, cancer doesn't wait for coronavirus. So our patients still have uh, active treatment ongoing. And uh, we're just trying to help them make smart decisions and look at each one of them as, as an individual patient. Is it safe for our patients to travel uh, by air to come get their treatments or to be seen at one of our hospitals? I think the bigger concern uh, than flying uh, in an airplane is being in, a, in, a, in an airport where there's lots of uh, people and there are lines and they're in close contact as they go through those lines. So we're really recommending that uh, patients travel by car whenever possible. But say they do need to travel by plane uh, because of uh, long distances. Are there any additional safe practices that they may be able to follow while they're traveling? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, carrying disinfectant, hand sanitizer and wipes with them. They can wipe down their seats. They can wash their hands regularly. They can certainly avoid, again, as much close contact as they can. Choosing a window seat, for example, when on a plane also may be a, uh, another practice they can follow. So if I'm a patient who's coming to CTCA, what can I do before my visit if it's determined that it's appropriate for me to come? Yeah, so again, first, contact your uh, cancer care team to make certain that it is appropriate for you to come. Uh, uh, second, look to see if you can drive as opposed to fly, okay? If you do need to fly, make certain uh, that you're washing your hands and your face frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds. Try to avoid crowds at the airport wherever you can. Don't share food. Uh, choose a window seat uh, if, if you're able to. Uh, don't touch your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Don't touch your face. And then consider uh, bringing antibacterial wipes and hand sanitizers with you so you can wipe down the area where you sit as well as uh, cleaning your hands regularly when you don't have access to soap and water. We've given the, the audience quite a bit of information here, but say they need additional resources, additional information, where would you recommend that they go to find that? Well, they can certainly go to the patient portal as well as cancercenter.com. And we have information on coronavirus for them as well as a series of uh, frequently asked uh, questions. And then obviously we want them to contact their cancer care team before they make that decision to travel so that they make the decision that's best for them. Well, I just want to say thank you, Dr. Metz, for all your hard work, your team's hard work for helping educate our patients, caregivers, and stakeholders about the coronavirus. And thank you for all your efforts to try to keep us safe from this, uh, from this infection. If I could emphasize one last comment, it would be that cancer doesn't wait for coronavirus. And our commitment is to helping our patients navigate through this rapidly evolving and changing landscape.